In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the podcast. This is Comic Exposure. My name is Josh Buckley, and my podcast partner is Travis Ratz. And on Comic Exposure, we gather some graphic novels or trades. Uh, and we decide, let's talk about this comic book. Uh, we normally just do one trade, so one volume of whatever it is. We always get part of a story, or we do a graphic novel. Today, we are tempting fate. Are we not, Travis? Um, I don't tempting know. fate is a... <laughs> It's a very broad term. Okay. I don't. I know it sounds nice, Josh. It does. It does. We're not tempting fate. <laughs> what, are, what are we tempting? I guess I, is, if, we're, if we put this we're out, like pioneers. will something bad happen? No. We're like pi. We're like becoming pioneers right now. No, <laughs> we're going to the frontier of comic exposure. Right. Because we've ne- we've done we have not done this before. We have we have not. Do- okay, I see what you're saying. We have I see not done saying. this before. This is a new format for yes, this episode. It's a new frontier. Ooh, okay, of comic gotcha. Exposure. I'm on, I'm on board, dude. All right, I'm glad. So here's what we did. We decided uh, we are without a guest tonight. It's just me and Travis. So I apologize in advance for the lack of another voice. Uh, but we are kind of in a super busy time period right now. Uh, I am uh, a high school teacher. And so I'm at the end of the semester right now. And things are crazy. Right. And Travis has got a thousand things going on with uh, Phoenix Comic Con coming up. So we decided let's read something we were already reading but let's read all of it we can. Right. So we are reading... We, yeah, go We could have taken some time off. We could have. But we said, you know what? Our audience deserves better than yeah, that. Yeah, we want to give we the people what they want. You. But we will be taking time off soon. Yeah. At least a week. So yeah. keep so, that in mind. Yeah, so here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we read Saga, uh, the four trade paperbacks that are available. Uh, I read Saga Volume 1 long, long ago. Uh, and then uh, we decided, hey, let's do this. Kind of. I guess after I read two. And then... We kind of snowball and read everything, and I finished volume four today. This morning, I finished volume oh, four. Oh, it says re- recent. Yeah, yeah. I let I, I dragged volume four out because I I didn't want it to end, Travis. Can we call time out? Yeah. Okay. Can we talk? Time? I, I want to get back in the okay. saga, but we also did, I feel like we should start with this. Okay. And then move into it. We both saw Mad Max. Uh, uh, Furious Road? Fury Road. Fury Road. Fury Road. It was Fury Road. It was very Furious Road. It was indeed. Let's get let's get a little breakdown of that. What do you okay. think? Here's, I, I'm still processing it. I saw it last night. I'm still processing it. I will tell you this. Uh, there is not a movie like it out right now. No. There hasn't been a movie out like it since Mad Max 2 Road War. <laughs> <laughs> it is so intense. It was like being visually machine gunned for two hours straight. Well, and the audio too, man. Oh, oh, it, man. Was car, it was a car revving or explosions in the background of every scene, yes. except for maybe two yeah. of the quiet scenes, which became really quiet. Oh, yeah. There were some moments, like, I, I will say this, there were some breathable moments where everything stopped for a second, but it was so quiet in the movie theater. Because it was you're so used to it being loud. It's like working <laughs> at an airport and then finally driving home, you know? You're not going to bump the radio. It was, like, oh, it was so crazy. Like, everybody, is when there were silent moments, everybody in the theater, you couldn't hear anything. 
it, and it does take a while to process. It's going to take me. I just like I'm. I'm still. Yeah. I'm like an hour and a half off of it, and I'm. I am exhausted. Oh, I am exhausted. I need some octane. It was intense. Yeah, and I'm going to need like a couple days to, to decompress from it. Rotten Tomatoes, man, ninety eight percent still. I'm gonna. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I enjoyed the story or if I enjoyed the experience of being blasted in the face. For two hours, and that sounded real gross. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> so there's that dude who plays dude, guitar. I make the sexual window no jokes in the show. <laughs> there's this dude who plays guitar the entire time, right? Oh, like great. the blind so dude. Like that is, like the entire time he's going, and that is how the movie feels from start to finish is just like you've been chuffed by. by What's a George uh, Miller, right? George, Miller, George yeah. Miller. You've been chuffed by George Miller. It was intense, man. It makes me want to go back and watch Road Warrior. It does. I haven't watched Road, Road Warrior in a really long time. I haven't watched Mad Max in a long time. So to go back and watch either of those would be... I think I'm going to go do that. Because it's tough. It's tough to fill Mel Gibson's shoes. Mel Gibson, by the way, one of my top five favorite actors. And I say this all the time. And this uh, this is going to... I'm going to set the geek world on fire right now. Send your complaints to Joshua Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> a Broccoli at Twitter or something.com. Um... I think Mel Gibson is was one of my favorite actors, and I always say this. There's not a role that Harrison Ford has ever played that Mel Gibson couldn't do a better job in. I'm talking really? on Solo. I'm talking Indiana Jones. I'm I talking think, Air I Force think you, One. I think you are wrong. I, I, I think, think you I'm are right. Wrong. I think I'm right, sir. Even with the rampant anti-Semitism, can you, can you deal with uh, – I've kind of I've sworn off Mel Gibson as of late. Have you watched a recent Mel Gibson movie? Yeah, I watched uh, uh, Get the Gringo. It's great. He's in a Mexican jail, prison, just rocking it. Just rocking it. Is he like he was in direct, direct to direct to DVD Liam Neeson? Is that what he's doing now? Is he direct to uh, DVD Liam yeah, Neeson? Kind of. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's going to come back. He's I wanted to back. watch the one where he has the beaver puppet because it seemed insane. That's one I did it. want to watch because I, I heard it was just it. too depressing. <laughs> you can't have any more depression in your life. Yeah. Anyways, I'm going to put this out there, guys. Mel Gibson can do any Harrison Ford movie better than Harrison Ford. I don't, man. I think that's. That's some tough talk, buddy. I don't think that's true. I don't think Throw me true. the idol. Throw me the whip. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed it. It was insane and intense and crazy. And the costume work on it, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was... I mean, that the, the main baddie. Yeah. Uh, every time he came on screen, you were just... It, if you are a small child, do not take your small children to this movie. <laughs> no. Don't take your no. big children to this movie because no. they will be scared too. I'm going to have a hard time going to sleep tonight. <laughs> that guy, the makeup was was terrifying on, the, yeah. on that dude. And it's all, I mean, Mad Max has always been very fetishish. Yeah. You know, like with all the fetish costumes. And so yeah. they toned that down a little bit. I mean, there was a lot less assless chaps in this. <laughs> uh, but there are some really freaky uh, <clears throat> images. Uh, so we won't spoil those. I would say go check that oh, out. Oh, yeah. It's definitely one to check out. It's a, it's a good... Between that and the Avengers, it's been a good kickstart to the, yeah, the good, summer good start movie to summer, season. Good start yeah. to movies. Yeah. I saw it in Gilbert. And let me just tell you, when I walked out of the theater with people, it was hard to read the crowd of people who went and saw it. Because I don't know that everybody who went to see it knew what they were in for for two hours. Like, I don't think they expected the insanity. The whole Mad Max experience. Yeah. You think they had seen it? Uh, I don't know. I think you had a lot of people. Who, I thought you, I think you had a lot of people who had never seen it before. I think you had a lot of people who had never seen it, the originals, and were like, oh, "It looks uh, well, so yeah." Easy. Well, anyone under yeah thirty probably yeah because I know shoot I know 
teenagers today aren't going back and watching Mad Max no, Road Warrior. No, they probably should Certainly don't. not Thunderdome. There's like, a, there's like a sex scene right at the beginning of Mad Max, isn't there? The original one? And one of them gets sniped or something like that? Or is that Road Warrior? Maybe I don't. Even, I don't think I've ever seen the first Mad Max. Yeah, the, were they over? They dubbed it in American. They like, it English, was so bad because it was so you Australian, couldn't understand anybody. Yeah. So they. Had I wanted it. some more Australian accents in this one too. That was a little like Charlize Theron is from like South Africa, and she didn't use yeah a South same African with Tom accent. Hardy. Isn't he like from England? You can. But his ac- he had an accent, right? He did. He, like he a toned down the, bane. five words he says. I yeah, it was a toned down bane. <laughs> I was known before I put on my. But I thought some of the old Sheilas at the end had some Australian yeah, accents. They were they, straight off uh, yeah. the continent. They you know? found them like out in the out in the bush, if you will. And the the same one kept like I felt like there was one woman cast, and they just put her in. Like, I'm like, <laughs> all these old women look the exact same. I'm like, are all they, the, how many times is woman going to die? Craggy old Australian ladies <laughs> look all exactly right. the same. That's all enough right. with old craggy so, Australians. Let's talk about some new stuff. Let's talk I, about the new hotness. I digress. Uh, we are. Talking Saga. We read. If you haven't, if you haven't, got, if you haven't caught on so far, we are talking Saga. We are talking Saga. Four volumes of Saga, dude. This is an un, this was an undertaking, but an enjoyable one. Well, it wasn't an undertaking one. in the sense that because we had kind of read, we'd been yeah, since we, we started the podcast. It, saga has been like the mascot comic book in the background the whole time as we're passing trades yeah, back and forth to read them. Exactly. We'd always just kind of like read this one. I finished this one. You read this one. And we'd always kind of discuss bits and pieces of it, but we'd never sat. We have not yet sat down and had a no a no holds bar, knockdown, drag out uh, saga. But I'll say this at the beginning: there's we we both like it, yeah, so this is yeah. going to be less of uh, we're going to critique it, but it's going to be more of a podcast why you should be reading saga if you're not reading it. Yeah, and if you are reading saga, just enjoy the conversation, and maybe we're coming, maybe we're thinking about the same things that you're thinking about as yeah. you're reading this. Uh, so Saga, um, it's going to be a little awkward because we only have one set of the four volumes because we've passed them back and forth. I only oh, yeah. own one of them. I feel like I got out of the uh, I got out of the deal pretty easy. I only own volume one. Oh right, because <laughs> after you gave me, I did. You know, I knew about Saga. It's uh, from listening to other podcasts, and I know I love uh, Brian Vaughn, and it's something that I've been meant to get to. And I'll tell you this at the beginning of it. Um, oh, actually, f- finish your thing because this is going to go into what you're saying. I was going to say, like, it, we've been trading it back and forth. So as we try to flip through them, it's going to be a little awkward for you and I to do it. And I ruined volume four of yours. My cat ruined volume four. So I want to make that clear. The cat uh, is, has been disposed of since. Yes, the cat is no longer with Lying us. cat. Lying. Uh, <laughs> so, I feel like it's appropriate the cat spilled. Wait, wait. Bring the cat in here. Let's see. <laughs> did the cat really spill water on the comic, Josh? Cat? Yeah, the cat did. The cat did. <laughs> Uh, so, where do you, where do you want to start, Travis? Do you want to do you want to kind of talk about what this whole thing's about? Sure, um, I'll talk about um, the idea that you um, want to do the two minute summary of Saga. God, so far, oh man, you want to do the two minute st- summary of Saga so far? I can, yeah. Let me. You got some like notes? I do notes. have I do have a little bit of notes because I'm the one who prepared today, which is unusual. That's how I know you're busy. Yeah, because you're usually well, the- and you're you're. <laughs> You're the busiest guy I know. <laughs> so if I'm like, dude, you gotta take over this. I did. I did this stuff. Though. I did this stuff today. So let's not let's not think that I did anything anything special. Here. I had to go see Mad Max. I can't. Yeah, I, I, I can't let you see a movie of the weekend and not see it myself. I saw Avengers again. I saw Avengers again uh, on Friday, and mm. then I saw Mad Max yesterday. So I've I'm gonna like give a, you um, um, a two minute summary of uh, Saga right now <clears throat> from the award winning writer Brian K. Vaughn. <laughs> 
from Why the Last Man um, and Television's Lost, and critically acclaimed artist Fiona Staples, Mystery Society, Did North 40. Reading? No, I'm, this is off the top of my head. Lame. Saga is yeah. the sweeping tale of one young family fighting to fight, uh, find their place in the universe. When two soldiers from opposite sides of a never-ending galactic war fall in love, they risk everything to bring their fragile new life into a dangerous old world. Fantasy and science fiction are wed like never before in the first four volumes of this sexy, <laughs> subversive, ongoing epic. I would That's pretty good, huh? No, no, it's under two minutes. Yeah, too. Under I think two minutes. So. Only like 30 uh, seconds. Only 30 it. seconds. I'm you tired. Totally, it's off top of the totally, totally nailed it. Uh, so, Saga. Um, as we're reading, here's what I'm telling you. I, I read volume one, and I read volume one a long time ago. So, probably, I've had this probably for, I don't even know. When did this get published? Uh, we read, essentially, two years of comic books. So, this came out in uh, 20, it must have been 2012 or 2013 or something like this. This volume one, the copy of volume one I have is a second printing of a trade paperback. Like, that's how long. That's how many they sold that first trade paperback. So there's a second printing of it. Um, so, I probably read it. About a year and a half ago, probably would be my guess, somewhere in there. Uh, and then I had put it down. I was reading a bunch of other stuff. I hadn't read it again. And then I handed it to you. And then you were like, dude, I got number two. You got to read it. Yeah. And so that got me back into it. Because it's been, it's been a long time since, I had, since I'd read one. And then I literally read like two, three, and four back to back to right. back. And you'd like number one. Yeah. Like, I like this, but I just haven't picked the second one. Yeah, it's and one of those things where like, I'm reading this and I'm reading that. My wife won't let me read it. My, my <laughs> wife saw the orgy and was disturbed. That kind of stuff. Um. So here's how I um I've been meaning to read it for years, and every time I go to like to Barnes and Nobles and pick out a trade, I'd see Saga, and I was like, man, people keep talking about this, and I loved Why the Last Man with Brian Vaughn. Uh, and I think you have to say Brian K Vaughn. I don't Brian think you can K. say his Sorry. name without the K. BK BK Lounge. <laughs> I'm gonna say BK Vaughn. Um, so I love BK Vaughn. Um, and but the thing was, I'd always I'd go there, I'd pick it off the shelf, and I'd look at it, and it just the art. I, you know, what's it for the story the art did, but like from a uh, to draw me in and to pick up the trade, I go, everyone says this is good. I know the writer's good, but I pick it up, I look at the book, and I'm like, I don't know, and I put it back down. It's it's I'm gonna tell you the art style totally grows on you. I'm 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 all Absolutely. I'm all for punk rock art. I really am. I really dig non traditional kind of art. Uh Fiona Staples art totally grows through all of the issues she gets better and yes, better every time absolutely um but i would say that it was just you're right at first it's kind of tough because the coloring is different than anything you see anywhere else it, there's just a totally different aesthetic to it that isn't loose, in any yeah, other book the loose penciling like they'll yeah. be like um i don't know you you probably know it's really sketchy for, She's yeah like, it's, it's real sketchy yeah you know, it's really rough looking, I guess, is the best way to say it. And and so you can see it's really rough, but then the covers, you can tell that those aren't rough sketches because she, you know what I mean? So those are ones that she takes a little more time yeah, on. But, great. Uh, but I, you, I agree. Yeah. Uh, once I, I got, once I got, it probably took me most of the first trade, like three-fourths of the, the uh, first trade to be like, oh, I'm lost in it and I'm lost yeah. in the art. Like I, I the, the art totally... Uh, accommodates the story for me at this point. Yeah, and now I wouldn't that, want anyone else on it. Yeah, so I'm saying like now that I'm re- now that I've you know I've been I've been reading it. I I can't imagine it in any other style. To be honest with you, like I can't see any other artist doing it and ha- having the same sort of feel as this does. You know, um, so I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start right off the bat. I got a question for you right now. Sure. Let's go. Uh, favorite character. Four four volumes of this. Who's your favorite character out of four uh, you volumes? You think I would have? This is you think I would have prepared this question. Um, 
I'm going to go ahead and say... Oh, the writer. The writer. The author is... Uh, oh, man. D. Oswald Heist. Yeah, D. Oswald Heist is my... Was my, is my are we spoiling this? No. Are we, but, are we spoilers? Yeah, we can spoil I mean, if you're it. listening well, to this, you, you probably read Saga. You, if you ever watched a TV show or a movie before, people die. That's yeah, what happens. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, well, we don't, we don't know. I mean, he could come back. There's, could. there's no rules to this world. There is. Um, yeah, so I liked, I liked uh, Heist. Why, why Heist? I liked Heist because... Because he's I, not in it for very long. He's no, not in for... He, he's not. He's not. But I mean, because I'm still... Because I, I go back and forth on the other characters from liking them to not liking them. And I uh-huh. think that's one of the things I really like about this book. Yeah. Is that once you think you know a character, they do something that's very uncharacteristic or something that was always in them that we just hadn't seen up to yeah. this point. Um, like, for example, the Will did not like at first. Then you grow to like um, uh, 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 Lana. Oh, uh, which one? Alana. Oh, yeah, Alana, Alana. The, one of the main yeah. characters. Uh, you like her at first, but then there's some parts where you, drugs where you don't, like, like, I don't her. Know I like her. You know, so that's great because it shows that these characters have depth. Yeah. Uh, but I I liked Heist because he is he he's you can't nail him down. He's kind of like I feel like if Jim Henson were like a character in this world, he has these lofty ideas of like love, but he he sells them through these cheesy romance uh, yeah. books, and that's yeah. brilliant. And but when uh, the the crew comes to visit him. He's very accommodating. He's brave. Uh, he has like a little thing. Like he's he's a kind of a flirt too. Yeah. He's kind of like an old horn dog. Yeah. Uh, and but he's also the prophet. He's the Obi Wan character. Uh, he's been a kind of Obi Wan yeah. character so far, which normally I, I wouldn't. I'm never really drawn to the gatekeeper. You know the mm-hmm. the, the the mentor character yeah. so much. Uh, but this one, I just I just love that he's just this this cheesy romance writer, but who's bearing all these subversive. Yeah. And like, that's how he's getting these there. revolutionary ideas out is through romance novels. Yeah. It's such a, like a, a weird way to do it. Well, it's very meta too. Yeah. I mean, think we're reading comics yeah. and we're like, Oh, this is a comic book. But the whole reason we do this podcast is we believe there's something more to yeah. comics and that stories and big ideas can be conveyed that way. And here they have this meta guy who's, doing the equivalent of what people think comic books are yeah. sometimes. Just this cheesy, trashy medium. Yeah. I would say, if I'm going to pick, I'm going to go uh, The Will is my favorite character. And I think because you, like, he's like a bad guy at first, right? He's a bad guy, and then you right. see him save the slave girl. And let's be honest, I want I want to dress like The Will. Right. I want to yeah. get, like... <laughs> the cape? I want the he's cape. very Lando. He is. He's totally Lando. I want to dress like The like. I I would never I'd probably never like cosplay at a Comic Con or something like that, but if I did, the will. The will. The will. <laughs> yeah, plus you can't beat like his his crew of characters yeah. that he's with. Now the will is is very kind of much the uh like the Han Solo of yeah. this group before almost uh, when Will meets, you know, kind of picks up the slave girl, Sophia, um, that's kind of like where we kind of meet Han Solo in Star Wars. Yeah. Is we assume that Han Solo has done some pretty um, bad stuff. Bad stuff yeah. in the past, but we're meeting him at a transitional point in his life. The same with the Will. We get to see a little bit of the bad boy in him, but then we see like kind of more just a scoundrel type character. Yeah. Now, now let me ask you this question, Josh. Since I brought up Star Wars, let's talk about um, the world building in this book. Uh, as far as what what Vaughn and uh, Staples are doing to set up this world, uh, as we're going into it, what were your thoughts as you? As you read the first, I know it's been a while, yeah. but as you read the first <clears throat> volume and as it's progressing, this world that you're encountering. At first, the world doesn't, I mean, the world is huge right away. You, We really only make contact with like two planets where you get a lot of characters from it. 
but you see everybody else from all of these other worlds, right? There's like a vast number of aliens. Just like there's a, so when you think of like the first Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. what planets are you on on the first Star Wars movie? Right, you're on right? Tatooine, and you're on, um, then you're in space, and then you're you see a planet get blown up. And then you're at the rebel base in wherever that is. Yeah. Um, and so you don't get a lot of worlds, but in that one glimpse, you have all of these vast aliens and all these vast creatures you see. And the same thing happens in this book. There's like this first volume, you get people who look like humans. You get people with wings. You get people with horns on their heads. You get a spider chick with a bunch of arms who doesn't wear shirts. Uh, we'll get back to her in a little bit. Right? There's like all of these. You get like ghosts. There's ghosts in this world. There's robots with TVs for heads. There's all this stuff that is jammed in here. And that's just in the first volume. So Brian K. Vaughn is building this elaborate giant place where he can literally jump to all of these planets if he wants to because they're there right right he's it they're not it doesn't seem like he's bound to any anything real or not i guess real isn't the word but there's there's no he's not bound there's no like gate or any like path for him mm-hmm. he seems like there's this giant option for him it's, to go uh, anywhere it's, he's, he's not grounded in anything yeah. that we would be familiar with um and when you you brought up a good point and i want to think when i think a strategy in world building is, and I don't know if they use this in Dune, because I know Dune's a big sprawling yeah. sci-fi epic as well. Uh, but it's, and I'm, I'm kind of learning about this about world building because you see it done right here, but it does take some time. Uh, we know this universe is really expansive, just like we know the Star Wars universe yeah. is expansive. But why should we know that? It's because they're bringing the universe to those small spots. Yeah. How are we doing that? Showing that there are dozens upon dozens of different alien races. That alone, even if we don't move from one setting, we know like this is a huge world. All yeah. these people are coming from it. Well, we're essentially talking about a war. This is this is like a, a space war between a planet and its moon. So it's a war between landfall and wreath. Wreath being the the moon that goes around landfall. Mm-hmm. Clever name. So that's really this war between a moon and a planet has caused this giant thing where there's like a robot planet of guys and then uh there's a sex planet and there's like all this stuff going on uh that gives you this dearth of characters that brian k vaughn gets to jump into but if he wants to he can spend time telling you about that character or about that that race of people or he can just go ahead and just plug a baby seal in there right you just go oh here's this here's this baby seal looking guy so uh, yeah, that was uh, that was in the fourth book. Yeah, yeah. So like, it was very sudden, like like a Tokyo straight out of Tokyo, yeah. like a stuffed animal machine. Yeah. So like right away, you're like, what is uh, what's what's going on here? He seems to be able to do anything he wants, and I am totally on board for Brian K. Vaughn to do whatever he wants. And he's I I imagine he's letting uh, Fiona Staples just run wild with whatever she wants to do in here. Right. Well, it's it's got to be fun for her, too, because he's just giving her like a, an idea like, okay, this world is a giant egg and there's a cyclops on it and he's naked and like, you got you know, and so she's got to sit here and draw this giant cyclops dick, you know? Yeah. It's um, like, it was a little, it was a little dick, but big Yeah, it balls. was. It was. Little dick, <laughs> yeah, big which balls. is hilarious. <laughs> a giant cyclops has a very small penis, but very large testicles. Yeah. And um, it, that's what I, I think that's. I, I'm guessing if you're listening to this, you've, you've probably read Saga, or maybe it's something you've heard about. Um, 
the the first book does, does you can't it's one of those things where if I were to quit halfway th- I could have easily quit halfway through that first volume because I didn't get hooked until the like towards the end of that book uh, but I stuck with it because I was like well Josh really likes this and I, I see some elements of things I really like but it because he's just throwing you in this world yeah. and there's things like like the robot people dude like it could seem really at first you're like dude this is cheese robot head people like, and like, like TV screwing, people yeah like, screw- and then you're just like. But because it, it doesn't make sense, you have to give it a little bit of room to breathe. Not much. One trade. Yeah. One trade. By the end of that first trade, I, I I was like, okay, I'll read this until maybe the last ten pages of that trade. Then I was when I was done, I was like, I gotta get number two. And that's why I'm curious. Like, I have never read it in single issues. I've never read it in single issues, and it's probably one I won't pick up in single issues, uh, just because I'm really digging reading it in these kind of episodic chunks where right. it feels like I can do more than one thing at a time. I don't know had I picked up issue one. Cause I re- I was, I was reading books when it came out. That's like right when I got back into comic books is when the first sagas came out. And I was just like, you know, I don't, um, I don't know. I don't know how into it I am. You know, I don't know if I would have dug it in single issues as much as I do reading five or six chapters at a time it'd be like reading the walking dead in single issues which was people do which is which was a i started reading the walking dead in with the omnibus so with that giant like uh half it's like one through 50 or something yeah it's it's huge um and then i went to single issues i had caught up to single issues probably somewhere around issue 90 or something like that and it was really hard to read it one issue at a time it's super hard uh, I think it's hard to watch a show one show at a time. Now, <laughs> uh, right? I'm having that game. Of, I'm having that problem with Game of Thrones right now. Right, watching Game of Thrones one episode at a time is like it's killing me. But I don't know if it's the show or just the way I've been conditioned in <laughs> yeah. this whole Netflix era, yeah. where I just like I want it all at once because I want to think of it as a whole story and not parts of a story. I want. I, well, let's 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 talk about that. Let's talk about how big this story is and how long this story can go. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, Brian K. Vaughn in an interview says he wants us to run two episodes longer than The Walking Dead. <laughs> two issues, two, longer, two than issues longer than The Walking Dead. That's, like a, that's a feat issues. right there. Yeah, that's yeah. a feat he right like, there. How, and he doesn't have to end it. Oh. There, there's, there's, I mean, well, it, even okay, so we're tied to Hazel. So Hazel is the daughter of uh, Elena and Marco. Right. Who are the star-crossed, literally, star-crossed lovers. Oh, they are the Generation book. Y parents. Right. They are the young Generation Y parents. And one of the things that Brian K. Vaughn does, does so well, and other things he's written as well, is he writes these Generation Y males uh, so well. And, and females, well. He, he writes females really, really well. Very strong females in all of Brian K. Vaughn stuff, mm-hmm. B.K. Vaughn stuff. Um, and, B.K. But, Knights. Yeah. B.K. British Knights. <laughs> but, um, but, but... I I I suggested this to my brother-in-law, uh-huh. uh, who always asks for. He listens to the podcast. And he always asks for comic suggestions, and I, I'm like, oh, I, I can understand why Josh likes this too. Because as being a a parent in your 30s, yeah. being Generation Y and raising kids, I mean, there's not as many opportunities to feel cool in the sense that you can ever be Han Solo yeah. or Luke Skywalker again. Because I've got a kid, but. These guys are doing all this stuff while hauling a baby around. Yeah. Their adventure begins when they yeah. have the kid. Yeah. And for most of us, it's like, well, my Luke Skywalker days are over because we we think of heroes going off on their own and yeah. having like this, you know, go, crossing the threshold by themselves with help from these people. But it's – you can't have a – a girl Luke Skywalker doesn't yeah, have a baby. Yeah, he looks Skywalker doesn't have, I mean, that would change the movie. <laughs> he's swinging. He's got the baby in one hand, laying, laying the, the other. other. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, that I I think is really cool. Um, for that sense, and, if, and I'm surprised did you, did that your, I uh, liked it. Did your brother-in-law read it? I I, I think he's. I'm gonna toss him to him this summer when he All comes. Right. He'll be here for a couple of weeks, yeah. and I'm gonna give him this project. The first summer was preacher. Second summer was why the last man. This summer it's saga. It's really. You know what? I'm gonna tell you. Um, this has been like a giant, if I can go, okay, I'm going to finish my thought here and then I'm going to jump onto something else. That's a problem with this is that we don't really have, we don't have a script. We don't know what we're talking about. No, so I, think we're, I think we got so a good. Hazel is narrating the book. Yeah. Which is kind of a cool, you know, you're having right, this. Right, sorry, yeah, you, are, you, you had yeah. a good point, and I just derailed it. <laughs> she's, she's telling the story, she's telling her parents' story. And I wonder, because right now she's literally, she's like a toddler, right? At the end of volume four, she can walk around and dance and talk, Which right? Is, yeah, so there's been some jumps mm-hmm. in the book. She goes from baby in volume one to a walk and talk and toddler. So you wonder how long they were in some of these places, and what, what are the stories we miss in between? Um, but at this, or do they just age faster? Oh, you I know? never thought about so that. So I don't know. Cause they're aliens. So maybe they, maybe they age faster. Um, that'd be, that'd be weird to not address. Cause I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a story. It's a huge element of the story is, well, it looks like about a year has passed because yeah. then it lets things settle in. Yeah. And so I, I enjoy her character as a narrator. I think it kind of adds a different quality to it. Cause you're, you're not getting your narration from either main character. Right, you're not getting your narration from some omnipresent, just like that Marvel style narration, you know, right. like, and he swings through the city, and blah, you know, like yeah. you're getting someone who is is telling you the story. It's like Hazel is telling us the story as as we're going through it, uh, and I think that's really cool. So, how long until the story is her story? I mean, it's her story well, right yeah, now, it, yeah. But how long until well, she becomes is it her story right now? I mean, she's telling the story, but it's not her story. Well, I mean, yet. She, yeah. I mean that she's in the yeah. story. So, so at what point is she the main? Because Brian K. Vaughn could keep this for a really long time with her being young right. before it turns into her her adventures right. or her whatever. Well, she does say some very ominous things in her narration. Should they Brian in uh, Hazel's uh, narration drops these hints that. Her parents or aren't around, you know. It doesn't sound like their parents are around when she's telling the story. Yeah, uh, certainly. And then even further, it sounds like her parents weren't around for, you know, oogles of time. You know, like yeah. it's saying, it seems like there is an expiration date on her parents. Now, yeah. who knows where that's going to go? One of the things that you see with uh, Brian K. Vaughn and you know the, the writers of this generation, even, whether it be you know writers for television, is yeah. We live in this generation. I think it all starts when Ned Ned Stark gets his head cut off, right? Yeah. In Game of Thrones, where we as an audience, we don't like to see our characters die, but now it's almost like a must. You can't be afraid to kill well, your darlings now. In, because in like Ned Stark seemed like the... I never read the books, right? So mm-hmm. never reading it uh, and coming into Game of Thrones. And then Ned Stark dies, and you're like, but wait a minute. He's the main character of this thing. Right. And then now you're following everybody else possible in the story. Right. And so that's the kind of cool thing I think Brian K. Vaughn has here, BK Vaughn, is that he can, he can, right now we're following uh, Marco and Elena or Alana, and, and then eventually we can follow, maybe we follow someone else who has Hazel. Right. And then maybe we follow Hazel. And then I maybe... I really don't like Hazel at this point. You don't? Is it weird to say I don't like a two-year-old? It's a little <laughs> a weird. fictional two-year-old. It's a little weird. Why, why well, do you like a fictional two-year-old? I just feel like she's a little bratty. How she? What, you don't even have, like. There's no. There's nothing of her in it. Which she's. She starts crying. She starts screaming. And they can't shut her up. She's and a she's baby. Got, she's got. A, she's got a walrus as a pet. She's got a ghost nanny. She's got a grandma <laughs> living with her. She's got her dad, who's a stay-at-home dad. You have like four 
overseers all raising this child, and that child isn't better behaved, someone's not doing their parenting <laughs> right on that one. Well, they are, like, running across the galaxy being pursued by assassins. For, so. Maybe for, like, the first, like... Three months of her birth, they settled down in a treehouse. She lives in a treehouse. Show some appreciation is all I'm saying. Hey, I got you. You're I a little bit you. bratty. I got you. But all right, you so- get that cross DNA. That's why you don't mix uh, uh, species. <laughs> Interspecies inter- 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 relations. All right, so here we go. So we did favorite character. We talked about, uh, you want to talk a little more about art style? or, or- I want to go into, because right now we're kind of gushing about how good the book is. And at one point I want to get to, is there anything that you don't like about the book? So I think I'm going to save that. I don't want to save that for the end because I don't want to end on a sour note. Okay. So do you want to kind of tackle that right now? Why don't you start? Why don't you, uh, what's something that you... um... If if I could pick one thing that bugs the crap out of me, uh, and this is in a lot of books, so it's not just Saga. It is the, the different lettering that happens all the time. So I am really mm. bummed anytime that I like Hazel's I like that a lot. I like Hazel's uh narration. Mm. I hate the script that it's in. I hate that there's no bubble. I hate that it's just like scratched into whatever the image is. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And that's and that's a really stupid thing for me to like nitpick about. I just don't it just doesn't look good to me. How do you feel about Lion Cat's lying when he says lying? That's okay because I feel like he's a cat and he's saying lying. But I don't like the I, I don't like the lettering for the robots, and I I know that Prince Robot is supposed to be a robot, so his letters are different. Uh, but then you get the two uh, the um, the tabloid journalists, their letters are different, and it's not just like a it's like yeah, a I different know, yeah, font, and their and their word bubble looks different, and that's the kind of I, that stuff throws me off because the characters look so different. That I don't think you need to have different lettering for me to see that there's a difference between them. No, no, no. You're, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know because what's her name's letters are all pink. The ghost Isabel's letters right, are all, I don't are like all, that. all pink. Um, I the thing that really bugs me is just the the scratchy narration. Because sometimes I think I miss it. Oh, when and, Hazel's talking? Yeah, sometimes I think I miss it when Hazel's talking because it's like tucked in a corner or it's wrapped around part of a picture I miss. And so I don't know. Those are that's that's really the bottom right corner of yeah yeah, I could, yeah you're right. It's like tucked in weird places that I'm like oh I probably should have read that little part. Uh, but that's probably the only thing uh, that gets me after reading it for this long after going four right four volumes of it. I've gotten used to Fiona's art, which is very different. You know, it's definitely not art house. It's definitely not like a standard style. You know, but. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. But what's what's if there's there's something that bugs you? What's what's that it bugs well, you? Aside from Hazel, because you don't like Hazel. Yeah, Hazel definitely bugs me. Um, <laughs> oh, it's so cool that these these heroes are parents. Uh, I don't really like their kid. <laughs> can they be parents without the kid? Yeah, is it possible? Can they have a dog? Yeah, can like, like, let's start small and like, just move in together. <laughs> let's just get a dog. Um, With a robot I, I would head. say again, I, and I don't know if I've just gotten used to it, but the coloring. Um, it took me a while to get used to that, and I don't know if I've grown to just really love it, or if I've just everything else in the story I I really love and the coloring. Because uh, I mean, they're they're kind of using. I don't know how you. It's real cell it. shaded. Yeah, exactly. That's a good way to describe it. It's very like like celluloid, like cells. Yeah, and I would say it looks really digital. It looks really digital. Yes. That's that's the best way I can describe it is it looks 
very much like it's all done digitally. And I don't know. I didn't look this up, so I didn't know. I didn't check if Fiona Staples does real inks on it. Um, But I think Fiona colors it, too. Because it just said Fiona Staples is an artist, so I think she does the colors on it, too. Uh, And it looks like her art style, like she draws it digitally. Um, So I just imagine that she – I mean, it's definitely colored digitally. It, It looks digital, but the colors are very bright throughout. Very bright throughout. Right. <clears throat> you know, there's... And some things are, they're played with really well. Like, they'll have, like, you know, like, the grays in the background. Yeah. Like, on Bone World and stuff like that. So I'd say that would be an issue. Um, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if it's an issue or something I've grown to love. And the other thing would be, and again, I don't know if this is something that I'm upset about, but I one of the things I really like about it is also one of the things that I might grow to hate about it. Uh-huh. When you have a world that where it's not grounded in any kind of rules... It's very tough to have stakes uh, sometimes, you know, where um, you don't know. Like, the will is stabbed in the neck. Yeah. Right? And then, cause, because this world is, there's magic potions out there yeah. and things like that. So, because the world, we don't, there's nothing to rein in anything and there's no kind of underlying rules. Like, the rules yeah. are robotics with sci-fi that we, we, there are. We don't know the stakes of it. So, when someone dies, are they really dead? And, um... Uh, how big of an issue are these things that happen? It, it does help to have some kind of grounding so you can have some kind of underlying stakes to this. I would say when the will got stabbed, it was like, oh no, the will got stabbed. And then like a ballsy move. I know, and like two ep- two pages later, they're like, oh, we'll find a potion for him. We'll get him to the doctor. Right. I'll go ask my boyfriend for a spell. And I was like, oh, well, it doesn't seem that right. Or even Lion Cat. I almost cry when Lion Cat gets sucked out of the, the plane, yeah. man. I was like, oh my god, it's like his best friend. Yeah. And then I'm like, he's in space, there's no way he can survive the deep freeze of space, that cat is dead. <laughs> then the next then, scene, you're like, oh, he's back, Lion Cat's dead. Yeah. <laughs> he's back alive. Um, I, would, I would agree with you, I think that's that's one thing. But I'm willing to take a ride with Brian K. Vaughn on this kind of like crazy... Get blasted in the face right? for like two, <laughs> uh, to go two like hours. To go on this crazy <laughs> kind of journey with him as he, as he does this. Um, here's my question for you. This is definitely rated M for mature. This book, there is orgy scenes. I love it. Uh, there are, there are like robot titties, robot boobs, spider lady boobs. Oh, can we talk about spider lady boobs? We'll we'll, we'll get there. I'm curious. Now I wouldn't say in no way am I a prude. I don't think. But well, let's see what comes out of your mouth next. Gonna, uh, let me preface this way: I dropped, um, I dropped Walking Dead, not because of the gore, but because I thought the amount of times that a character says the f word is lazy. Mm-hmm. So Kirkman put a big bad in the Walking Dead. Negan and all he says is the f word. Every other word coming out of his mouth is the f word, and it just I'm just like that's that's lazy. If that's how your character right. talks, and I, and it doesn't bother me so much in movies, so I don't know why it bothers me in the written word, but it does. I, I, I don't, and it's not swearing in this. It's like the is the sex necessary, or is it in there just because it can be in there? I think the sex is. Um, I actually think the sex is uh, an undercurrent when we're talking about this is a domestic story, right? Yeah. And this is a, a story about. Um, uh, a husband and a wife. Well, mm-hmm. they're not even yeah. really married, I guess, you know, but it's a young uh, couple trying to find happiness and domesticity and keep their child safe. Uh, and all the bumps that come with that. 
And I think in that world, when you're dealing with that, there is, I'm probably reading too much into this, but they're always, you know, I look at married couples and, and I think, you know, like, oh, it's one man, one woman for the rest of your life. But there is, there's always going to be like this kind of under tension of like there's sex everywhere. <laughs> and there's there, because there is a lot of temptation in this book. Yeah. Around the characters all the time. There's a planet called Sextopia, for Christ's sakes. Sext- right? Sextillion uh, or something. Sextillion? Yeah, Sextilia <laughs> or something like that. So there is like, there are, there's, uh, uh, all these temptations, these lustful temptations in this book that we as a comic book a reader see, and we know that, um, one, this couple has to survive in this world that's all about the immediate gratification, yeah. and two, they have to raise their kid in this world. That's well, you all see about Marco, and the end of Volume 4 gets really close. Yeah. Really close to stepping away oh, that from... Nose. I was like, oh, man, if I could just... <laughs> Cover up the nose would be okay. <laughs> Cover, up nose. Cover up the bat nose. Yeah, um, like the, I dig the purple skin. <laughs> I'm okay, really with that. I'm okay with that. But I, um, it, that is very like, and I and I would tell you that their their them that sexual tension between them doesn't bug me, and I don't I don't think it bugs me. It just seems like it's unnecessary. Like, why does he have to walk through an orgy of flying people? Why does King Robot? It's, does that serve the story, or is it just? Because we can draw a bunch of people doing it, let's do well, it. Well, it's at this point, it's it's not just for me. It doesn't seem like just these vignettes of uh, a sex. I think this permeates the entire universe. I think, so it, think I think it's, it's a commentary on on. You think it's on more of life, a on okay. society? I can see that. I can see that it's more of a commentary of the world they live in. Yeah, because when, okay. when I think about this world, even when it comes, I mean. It, which is also why it makes that the reporter relationship because it's very there's a homophobic angle in there yeah where they can't be safe in their home world but then you're like but this whole world is okay with everything yeah. else but they're not okay with this I mean that's that's allegory 101 right there yeah. like what a society we're okay with all these things we're like oh a guy can't kiss a guy or a girl can't kiss a girl we're like that's not okay okay now that ne- talking to you about having you having you say that really makes me think about it maybe in a different way but then at the same time you have like do we need to see a giant cyclops penis? Like that doesn't that isn't. But that's that doesn't, I, like yeah. that's that to it's me funny. Is like, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know. But you you open up the book, and so the very first scene in this is her giving birth, which I think is a fantastic way to open the story of two of a I young that's how it of a up. young couple. And she asks like uh, the very first page, the very first like utterance of a character. Am I am I shitting? It feels like I'm shitting. <laughs> like that's the first thing out of someone's mouth in this book. And then he uh, Marco bites the umbilical cord. So it's this really like savage. Yeah, thing. this bizarre scene between the two of them that opens it up. And so and they look different. He's got horns yeah. and she's got wings. So you're like, oh, but then they talk like we do. They yeah. talk like generation, like uh, millennials. Oh, yeah, because there's yeah, a scene in there where like, they're talking and some of the stuff that comes out of their mouth reminds me of like a Judd Apatow movie, the way they right. talk to each other. So there's that like, that, that like, uh, crude sexual banter between people. Like, like, not, like that knocked yeah, up like, Yeah, like knocked up. Yeah. And so there's that angle in there. This That's book is point. definitely like a subversive book. Right. Would be the best way to put it, right? It's definitely mature. Apple wouldn't sell it on the iTunes store. Really? Yeah, because of the content in it. Well, see, I think Preacher's worse than this. But Preacher as... doesn't have, like, balls and at least... They have dong. Yeah. We'll get some, got some boobies. Yeah, but I, America's... I can't, o- smile. I can't say boobies without smiling. Here's a, here's a, <laughs> but America's okay with boobies. Yeah, right. America, like, America isn't okay with, like... 
cock and balls and penetration being in something you, you right. Read. There are a lot of there's some balls in this man. There are some balls in that. I um, mean, there's I mean, there's a like a spider who's topless who's talking about getting it put in her spinner hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah okay I get it yeah <laughs> yeah well you wanted you wanted to talk but I mean, about but I mean your, think your... about like insane clown posse albums they sell yeah, on iTunes but that's that, I know but you I know. guess that this was something it's a comic so they're like children would buy and so yeah, I don't know I mean just... it's just all like what are we gonna what are we gonna it's gonna be like it, it, it's gonna be out there I think we I think we should label things yeah. but I can't I I don't think it should be well this, in this media medium it's okay to say these things but in this medium it's not okay to say these things or well if you say that's okay but i think the visualization of it is i think the problem oh it's like porn yeah it's like porn yeah okay i guess i can get that yeah um but i would tell you it's it's not porny yeah right even the porny stuff doesn't look porny here's a question about this and i want i I really wanted to ask scott godlowski this when he was on our podcast godlowski godlowski like god bless me um um it's this. Oh, it's, I was going to tell you. Uh, you go ask your question. I think I've got something to go with. I wanted. I wanted to ask him. Can you draw? Can he draw characters, nude women that are hot enough that he gets turned on by them, or because it's his creation, does he feel more like a per, like a uh, a parental uh, attachment to these characters? Uh, he just did a sex scene in in the newest issue of Copperhead. Oh, I saw him talking about that yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. So there's yeah, a sex yeah, yeah. scene I between. That issue. Yeah. There's a sex scene between. Uh, the sheriff and some school teacher. Okay, so it's like Sheriff so Bronson. Did he get, did he get, is he draw? Does he have to take breaks while he's drawing it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> no, it's it's far more. It's uh, more. Tasteful. It's more like lethal weapon sex than like hardcore. <laughs> you know, like what I mean. Like you see the back of her and like the silhouette of her boob, as opposed to on pages. There where, is some hardcore stuff. In, there is, in, in, there, especially in number four. Yeah, like three and four. It gets worse as it goes along. But uh, but there's less of it. Yes. There's less of it. That's why I say in volume one, everything you could possibly put in volume one is in volume one. It's like, it reminds me, and I know this is six issues, but it reminds me of like, um, the, we'll go back to the game of Thrones. The first episode of game of Thrones had everything you could possibly put on HBO was in that first episode of game of Thrones. Right. Nudity, we're going to go graphic as we can. Is there swearing in game of Thrones? Uh, yeah, 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 he's like cork. Yeah, <laughs> and so you you have that. Everything you could do in it is there, and then it backs way off, and that happens in here. There's not as much overt sex. You know what I mean? You see naked stuff, but it's less overt as you go through. Because like, um, well, and maybe that deals with like kind of where they are in their relationship too. Yeah, and maybe. And but there's s- it's it's a hell of a lot gorier. That's yeah. for sure. Oh yeah, char- we even talk about this since you just finished book four. Yeah. What did you think about that TV dude? Like the old like tube TV. Oh, that was pretty rad. It was pretty rad. <sighs> he's he is a terrifying character. Well, he's a terrorist. Yeah, I, I, mean, well, I guess not. A, he's like a a, a homegrown uh, terrorist. Right? Yeah, he's a he's revolutionary. A natural born killer. Yeah, yeah, he's a revolutionary. Uh, and I thought that was I I thought that was kind of cool. It's kind of a nice story. But that was my big question. Does the does the mature content ever distract from the story? Does it ever seem to take you out of it? Because you're like, oh my god, that's a cock. Are you ever like? I can, I you know that's a good point because I can see where it does. Sometimes it does seem like shocking for the sake to be shocking. Like he's like, let's let's make this as shocking as we can. And we did when we we talked about preacher long ago. That was something that bugged, and maybe it's just me. Yeah, that was something I don't that bugged me about I preacher. I, I, doesn't, I, don't, I don't think it bugs me. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I like it. I mean, I if they were if they were trying to be shocking, but just ended up showing me stuff I've seen before or yeah. like that, then I would be like, uh, yeah, you're just, it's you're you're just being it's not. 
you're just explicit. There's no originality yeah. to it. And I would say – there's, there's originality in their yeah. filthiness. And I and not only that, but there's a good story that goes along with all the filthiness. So I will take it, right? Just like all the stuff that's like Game of Thrones. There are entire scenes that you have to watch two people doing it in a brothel because there's like important – important like exposition. dialogue exposition <laughs> taking place and i would say that that happens in here oh there, yeah those scenes right. for sure happen in here uh and you're kind of just because everything else is so good i think that where it it bugs me less as i get to volume four uh as i've gone through the four volumes and that might be because there seems to be less of it uh but also it doesn't because everything else is so good I think what bugged me at first doesn't bug me anymore. Oh, the explicitness of it. Yeah. I'm trying to find my favorite panel because it's about that time. Oh, huh? it's about Bay favorite panel time? All right, so, wow, are we really? We've already talked an hour about anything. We've we scratched the like surface. 50 minutes. This is the problem with doing uh, four volumes in It one is. Book. I mean, we, there's so many Bef- characters we just didn't talk we, about, like bef- the ghost. Yeah, and... before we get to that, what do you think... Um, what do you think of this story arc so far about the two main characters, Marco and Alana? Um, I like it. Obviously, we're in a uh, – with the ending of um, uh, Volume 4, tri- volume four yeah. they're in – I mean – well, actually, in, in Volume 4, it, things get shaken up, you know, yeah. and it, it turn around. But well, for a good part of Volume 4, it's more of like a quiet nah, – I wouldn't say quiet, but they're – It's domestic yes, issues as and, opposed to – And Hazel says it best. She says sometimes um, – you, the the your the greatest enemies to your family are you know uh, there's a Paraphrase, great line yeah. yeah in there and you're like oh this was kind of what this is about it's it's about the internal struggles like drugs t- yeah. tearing your family apart or um perhaps in a, like an affair, affair or something like that fling. yeah yeah um so I I really like it I I'm interested to see where they're going uh the story uh, of them because the, for really it's they're the nucleus nucleus they're just trying to live a safe yeah. life it's it's the ends it's like the will. Um, and his crew, and then with the Will's sister now, and uh, Prince Robot. Yeah. They're the ones who who are revolving around this story. I'm really curious. Like, Prince Robot, who is a bad guy through the whole thing, is now at the very end. You see he, him and Marco are next to each other because Prince Robot has to save his son. Right. And Marco that has to save. That was a cool panel. I thought that was really, like, a really kind of cool thing. You've seen these this characters go after them for four volumes. Essentially... 24, two years worth of comics. And Prince Robot is not a likable character no, until that point. No, And then you see him go, oh, Prince Robot wants to save his kid. Can he, is he, he's going to put aside, because it's not his war. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not Prince Robot's war. And so he can toss it aside to go save his son, you know? Yeah, I'm interested to see what the next panel is. Yeah. They better not like, oh, that was like some kind of weird thing. Like, I want to see that story unfold. Yeah, I think we're probably, I think it just hit issue 28, so we're probably two more, two months from another trade. Oh, perfect. So you and I are about two months from another Good. trade. So right right before I go back to school, I can pick up volume five uh, and, and, and read that. So here, here's, so if we're going to do favorite panel, do you have one? Do you think you want me to go first? Uh, go ahead. I want you to go first. Uh, uh, and I'm, then I want you, before you do that though, yeah. is besides um, besides the, the two main characters, what is your – well, I'm guessing – I guess I kind of know this one. I guess it might be the will. But what's the storyline you're most curious about seeing uh, – what arc are you most interested in seeing unfold? I know we talked about that Prince Robot thing Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious about what's going to happen with the will because the will has decided he doesn't want to go after them anymore, 
right? He saved Sophia or Sophie. He wants to kind of, he, he's decided I'm not going to go after. He tells his ex or his ex-girlfriend like Gwendolyn, right? right? Or is it his current girlfriend? I don't remember. So he tells Gwendolyn, yeah. who was Marco's ex-girlfriend, that if you want to go after him, then you go after him. I don't want to do it. But then he gets stabbed. And so he's kind of dragged along now. And then his sister is now after him because... It's interesting, too, because we don't know much about her. Yeah. So his sister gets dragged into it. And so I'm kind of curious is, will um, will the will get pulled back into hunting? Or will he be something that pulls the dogs off of of Marco and Alana or Elena. Right. Like how, what's, what's his getting back in there? Cause it doesn't seem like that would change because right now Gwendolyn and Gwendolyn and the will are totally in love. Josh. Yeah. They're like totally crushing Totes. each other right now. Yeah. So I think, I think the will could, would easily be able to pull her off and it sounds like they're, but if gonna... something happens to her, then does right. the will get yeah, back yeah, into yeah. it? Yes. <clears throat> I think, I, I, I think we're going to see, like, we only got to see a little bit of the taste of the scoundrel, Will. Yeah. I think we're going to see full-blown, like, why he became, like, one of the, the best uh, bounty hunters. Yeah. All right. So, my favorite panel. I'm trying to... So, I marked a couple pages in a couple books. I'm going to try to remember... It wasn't that one. I just thought that was cool. So, I'm going to go... I'm going to try to find my favorite panel. Uh, I'm going to go... It's probably... Uh, there's two of them that I really liked. Um, th- I think it's in the volume one. It's in volume one. So I think you have volume one. Okay. Uh, it's the, one, the, t- the page you have marked <clears> It's the one where the Will is eating cereal with Lion Cat. I was just looking at that one. That was a great one. Good call. Like, yeah. The Will is like, it, it's just, he's like, he has his shirt off. Lion Cat is next to him. He's eating a bowl of cereal. And he like gets a phone call. And he's like, I don't, I'm not going to pick up the phone. It's the stock calling him. So the spider chick is calling him. He's like, right. I'm not going to answer the phone for her anymore. But of course... He gets dragged right back into it. <laughs> that is, that is very much. It blends it in with that it's pop such sensibility. A, it is such a, it's such a man thing to do to like sit with your shirt off and eat cereal because you know you're just gonna get milk on yourself. So you don't want to. He doesn't want to re- ruin that sweet cape he's got. <laughs> so <laughs> that is good. That that really kind of sums up a lot of the mix of genre that that yeah and style that. Uh, Vaughn is going for here. Because there's this really every person aspect of it. Although they're aliens in this far-flung world, they are very much relatable. Oh, yeah. They're they're straight out of... Um, they're almost hipsters in a certain sense, yeah. you know? Well, certainly the 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 kid is, the horn guy. Um, oh, Marco. Uh, Marco. Marco is certainly like a hipster dude. Like, even <laughs> the way he's dressing in like the last yeah. uh, the last. He grows one. a beard out, you yeah. know, because beards are cool. <laughs> he's got like uh, highlights in his hair. <laughs> like it's 1998. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm just kind of flipping through here. I wish I had uh, more time to go through all four of them. Um, and I do think the art gets better in them. Yeah. But I knew I was trying to find one because I knew there were some great panels of Marco and uh, Alana, and I do like the, I really do like their relationship. Yeah. Because it's 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 chaotic, but it's very sweet. So um, I, I I just really like this one. I'm sure you know it's uh, in volume one. It's them. Um, it's right after they had the kid, and they're after the chaotic thing, uh-huh. and they're they're kind of. Um, they're embracing each other. They got the kid in their arm, but then you see there's this ominous presence of eyes yeah. in the background. And th- it's just, this is a good splash page that just made me be like, okay, I could, I could get to like these characters. I thought for sure it'd be the spider chick's tits. I thought yeah, for I sure was, I was thinking that's about what was going to get you, but that, you know what? That might be it too, because when I saw that, <clears throat> I, I didn't change the page or that. Yes. <laughs> that's all. Oh, so when she, one. when she, great ones, when, uh, when Elena first goes, <laughs> when Elena first goes on drugs, there's a sequence of her like she's fully dressed and then she's got her because she's in some 
she's on TV and then her costume goes away and then she's naked. Like then you see her without clothes on and like the panel breaks up even more. And there's this weird scene where she's like floating in the fetal position. And it says in like weird bubble letters around her, fuck yes. Right. Like in in this, it's a great poster in this cloud of, of like, I don't know, drug haze. Can I tell you something? Yeah. This is why, like, you're the like the art person on that. I didn't even realize it said "fuck yes" on it. <laughs> and there's two S's in "yes" too, so it's like "fuck yes." Oh, see, I <laughs> god damn. Um, so yeah, that is uh, that's saga, guys. Um, I Do, obviously we love it. So. Yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna you've told someone to read it, right? You've, yes. You're, you're, you've told your brother-in-law to read it. I've told people to read it. Um, but you gotta find the right person. So if you haven't read this yet. And if you are bothered by sex and drugs, I probably wouldn't read this. Yeah, we the, if you, anything that we said bothered you, don't get it because there's a lot worse that we did not mention. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, but really great story. It's like uh, a sexy Star Wars. Yeah, sexy Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of like um or like a rated a rated R NC17 Star Wars. Right. If you just say it was Star Wars meets something else, what would the something else be? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. Because I, I made the Judd Apatow comment earlier. Right. But I, it's not comedy like that. Um, but it definitely has that. It's like Quentin Tarantino. It'd be like Quentin yeah, Tarantino. Yeah, you're right. It's probably like yeah. Quentin Tarantino meets it. But not as, not as over... Well, there's some pretty violent stuff in it. You know, dialogue's, it. dialogue's not as stylistic as yeah. Tarantino's. Although I really do love... I think Hazel says some really profound things yeah. in her narration and like really like clever things. It's like singles meets She's a writer. Singles meets Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> uh, With tits. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's really good. It's really good. So, if you get a chance you haven't read it yet, you should pick it up. If you if you have read it and you think we're completely wrong or completely right, you should talk to us on Twitter at Comic Exposure uh, where I will post uh, some fa- favorite panels of ours. Uh, I will talk about this at length and I'll post when it comes up. So you should follow us at Comic Exposure. Uh, that's really the place where most of the dialogue happens. I, I, uh, I, I am, I am the at Comic Exposure King yeah, on, dude, you, on Twitter. You, you, I tweet the crap yeah. out of it. So uh, if you're interested, you want to have a conversation really about it, tweet me on there. Uh, someone tweeted us on there. I'm going to, uh, I don't remember, oh, I don't remember her Twitter handle offhand, but she told me she hopes that Marco dies. So I don't know why. But she said, I hope Marco dies. And I, she's probably reading the single issues right now. So that's a little like, oh, does he turn oh. into a does he turn into a dick? Like, is he does he become a jerk? Well, I gotta say, you know, he 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 passed on that sweet, sweet piece of alien butt, you know, like So he can't uh, be that bad of a Yeah, guy, yeah. Right? Like he like I was like, Oh, he's totally gonna go for this. He's like, No, I can't. I was like, and This was is like, bad. I was like, oh, oh no. I was like, Oh, screw you, Alana. You're out there doing drugs. He's taking care of the baby. He threw groceries at you. I'm sorry he lost his temper. But you know what? He's a man. Sometimes a man's gotta do what a man's gotta do. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to pick it up, you should pick it up. Follow us on the Twitter at Comic Exposure. Uh, and uh, thanks for playing along. Uh, next week, the uh, our episode with Michael from True Believer Comics is going to yeah. air. Uh, we talked to him about big events, about running a comic shop, why he started it, nerd stuff in general. Give that a listen next week. Uh, until then, share the podcast, talk to your friends about it, and we'll see you next trade.